Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In today's show, we cover the five biggest news stories from the world of Formula One, which this week are Grazia Ragazzi, Ferrari show everyone how to do a car launch, Alonso takes a snipe at his old employers, while Sonoda has to impress his current ones, and Drive to Survive returns with Max. Hello, my name is Roy Mylander, and you're listening to the Formula Birds Podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race Podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King, and you're listening to the Formula Nerds Podcast. Hi, I'm Crofty. You're listening to the Cut to the Race Podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Every Wednesday, we update you on everything you need to know from the world of Formula One. We are the Formula Nerds news team. Make sure you keep up to date with all the latest news by visiting our website at formulanerds.com. I'm your host, James McKenzie, and I'm glad to say I'm joined by Sam, who's finally feeling a bit better. Yes, yes, I'm better than I was. I had a, a very bad cold. Not sure if I could call it the flu, but I was, yeah wiped out and uh sounding a little bit phlegmy so apologies if that's still there and that's all you're going to hear now for the rest of the podcast so i don't know why i've said that <laughs> how are you james i'm good and you sound wonderful to me uh good but also abby uh, i guess same question to you really it really is flu season huh but uh are you finally feeling back to 100 percent Yes, I am. I feel much better. And I'm glad, Sam, that you were feeling better because it means that you can finally give us your outro that we have been waiting for for weeks. Yes, yes, I can. So keep listening to the end of the show because I have actually now prepared that. Although illness is no excuse for what possessed me to have a early to midlife crisis and I bought two pairs of cargo trousers. <laughs> like proper <laughs> early 2000s. Uh, so, yeah. Um, are they those ones but, that like have the zip halfway down? You can turn them into shorts. No, no. Ah, oh, that's a shame. I, I didn't buy them at Mountain Warehouse, James. If that's what you're getting. <laughs> uh, but but no, they do have pockets, big pockets uh, on the side. I'm dressing like a, a far younger, far cooler person than I am. I mean, as as great a content as this is, I think the people are, are, are here to hear about F1. So should we should we get on to F1? Yes, I guess we should. Yeah. 
Okay, well, there's an obvious place to start, and that is, of course, a bunch more car launches. Since our last show, we've had four more AlphaTauri, McLaren, Aston Martin, and then a lovely Valentine's Day treat from Ferrari. Um, Mercedes hasn't quite launched as we're recording, so you'll have to wait and see that for yourselves. But, I mean, yeah, what have you guys thought? Uh, I think Ferrari really did nail it. Uh, there was, you know, we last week we spoke about Red Bull and how they dragged out basically revealing the same car as last year. Of course, the Ferrari's still red, but it was it was a good show. It certainly was. I mean, I feel like F1's the only place where a shakedown is a good thing, right? And that's what you got yeah. for the Ferrari launch. You got an actual shakedown of the car, whereas usually, as we've seen over the last couple of years, it's a virtual livery launch basically uh but no they had fans present at marinello they had, they had drivers speaking and yeah as i said they had a shakedown a few laps in the car for both charles and carlos they nailed it really so far out of the what seven eight launches we've had you know they've come out on top i'd say Definitely Ferrari's one was the most entertaining to watch, I think. I also liked McLaren's because 2023 is a special year for them. It's the 60th anniversary of Bruce McLaren founding McLaren, which they are celebrating all throughout the year. And they had a very special montage before they actually launched delivery to him and the history of McLaren. But I'm interested to get your thoughts on the McLaren delivery, actually, because I know, Sam, last year you were very against it. And James and I here weren't very i was yeah i was going to ask so i will be doing my my what will become an annual uh livery kind of uh top 10 uh but <laughs> top 10 <laughs> so already there are yeah, only I mean, 10, top 10, so. 10 okay uh, a livery rundown a scoring first to, to last um mclaren won't be last this year i can tell you that much they've moved up i think They've refined areas of the car. It looks more similar to the car that ended 2022, livery-wise, than the one that started it. And some of the other stuff tweak they've made in between make it a more aesthetically pleasing car than it was this time 12 months ago. So I'm not saying that I love it, interesting. but it is certainly a step forward. It's funny how really little changes can make a big difference. Well, I mean, this is this is clearly where our, our hive mind like implodes. It like divides by zero because I thought it got gradually worse as the, no. the year went on last year. Yeah, I I think it beca- like when they added the chrome stuff, I think it just gets messier and messier at that point. Like, I mean, it the did. more the black, I was okay, but like once and the chrome wheels, uh, like you know they they kind of look cool a bit like when they move but it's just there's a lot of colors red orange yellow green blue and another blue let's face that i don't think that's necessarily mclaren's decision some intern at google's thought oh no why don't we do that and then their boss has gone yeah actually mclaren we want that we're giving you a lot of money to be on your car and thus the chrome wheel but i think i take your point when it comes to the sponsorship it there's a lot of sponsors on that car which is nice to see. It's you know, an improvement from where they were a few years ago when they were next to none. But I think if you look at the differences between the end of the year, last year and this year, the sponsors do look better than they, they did. I wasn't a fan of the Android, but at the moment that is replaced by Google on the, uh, I don't know why I said Google funny, uh, on the engine cover. And I think the shape of the car is slightly nicer. The orange, the papaya has been refined slightly, as has the blue 
I think it just comes together much, much better than than we saw last year. Okay. Okay. Well, I look forward to your article. I'll be I'll be reading that when it's when it's released. Uh, but yeah, let's not talk too much about the liveries. I mean, like you said, the Ferrari was an actual car launch. Uh, I particularly enjoyed the call on the radio from Carlos to Lord Percival, as he referred to him. Did you guys see that bit? I didn't see it on the actual launch, but I did hear about it, which it's quite good that Science and Leclerc are getting on and having that joking between them. I mean, they are at the moment. Give them a few months with a competitive car at the front at the front of the field, and we'll have to see. Uh, but I would like to know the origin of that nickname. I'm intrigued. It's his middle name. Is it? First of all, it's one of his many. It's one of his many middle names. Oh, he's got loads, doesn't he? Yeah, Mark. I think I want to say like Mark. Charles, <laughs> Mark. <laughs> but Mark the French way with a C. <laughs> right. Right. Mark, <laughs> just Mark's something. Mark Percival. Percival. It's a bit Albus whatever Brian Dumbledore isn't it having a mark randomly in there (laughs) Albus Percival Wilfred Brian Dumbledore that's the one I mean there's uh, Mark's a a fairly common name nothing wrong with the name Mark Uh, but in between Charles and Percival it's it's somewhat of a uh, a red herring there we go I've got it it's it's Charles Mark Hervé Percival Leclerc so yeah Yeah. it's very much that stands (laughs) out in the others interesting anyway (laughs) but moving on from mark to martin aston martin also launched their car uh with their with their new boy fernando that segue is doing some hard work i I know absolutely loving that i've got a lot of time for it james i really do uh yes so aston martin of course launched the amr 23 which is their what third car is aston martin now um and I think the prettiest yet, uh, very similar livery-wise to last year, but a very aggressive side pod configuration. Uh, and there are quietly high hopes within the team, apparently. Uh, also, some other uh, some others up the grid are bringing them into the conversation as well as wants to watch Christian Horner. But then is that partly because, let's face it, the Aston Martin looks a lot like the Red Bull does. So we'll have to see there. But yeah, their launch was uh, Monday uh, with McLaren's as well. Got a chance to uh, be part of the press conference with Lance Stroll and Fernando Alonso. Really, really interesting. Obviously, the focus being primarily on Fernando as the new boy in the team. Uh, you know, shed quite a lot of light on what he expects for the year. He's hoping that, you know, win 33 can come with the team. He doesn't think it'll be this year. He thinks... There'll be a bit of a difficult trans- transition. Won't really be up to speed for the first few rounds, given that there's such a short window of testing uh, in Formula One these days. And yeah, he's hoping that they'll be able to maximise any opportunities that might come through weather, anything like that, later in the season before a uh, a more representative year of where he thinks they'll be moving forward. He thinks this will be a bit of a misnomer in that sense and that this isn't the level we can expect from Aston moving forward, which is promising to hear if you're an Aston Martin fan. He did also take a swipe at some of his previous employers in in F1, namely, it seems, McLaren and Alpine, uh, when he said that the reason why he's so happy at Aston is that he feels that the values are very much aligned from day one. He felt that, you know, everyone was kind of 
on the same page as him. He expects a lot. He was saying how demanding he was, and that's being met in return. And he also said that some of his previous employers, you know, had been maybe successful in the past and were comfortable with where they were at that point. You know, if they were fourth, they were happy with fourth. If they were fifth, they're happy with fifth. And they'd celebrate if they'd get seventh. But here at Aston Martin, he was saying, we don't celebrate until we win, uh, which he said he found very, very appealing. So guys, what do you what do you think of these remarks from Fernando? We know that he's got a fiery comment in him. So are you are you not surprised or, or do you think it's uh, just him kind of venting a little bit from a couple of frustrating projects over the last few years? I'm not surprised that he did that. I feel like that is a very Fernando thing to do. With the comment of, at Aston, we don't celebrate until we win. I must say, if I were to choose one of the teams that isn't Red Bull, Ferrari or Mercedes, that I think would make a step forward and fight very hard to get to the front of the grid, it would be Aston Martin. I think that team, Lawrence Stroh in particular, and now with Alonso as well, they have that fight in them to actually want to win. And I do see them trying everything possible. I feel like they try harder than other teams. Obviously, Aston didn't have a very good start to 2022. And as you said, Sam, Alonso said that the beginning of this season might not be quite as representative, but they're not going to miss out on any opportunities in the second half if they were to arise. They will be finding their footing, but I think we can see a strong Aston Martin at the end of this season for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, like McLaren, everyone kind of expected to push forward and it kind of feels like they've stalled a little bit outside of that top three. And yeah, Aston, you know, they they overperformed so much as Racing Point, Force India, even Jordan back in the day. So I think everyone was like, well, now they've got money, they'll, you know, they're, surely they're going to push forward as well. But there was always going to be a, a time for them to have to settle into the, into the new setup. And I think, yeah, I agree that they could certainly be that team once they've gone through that period of bedding in that they and you know they'll have their their new factory coming soon as well um yeah uh it'll be interesting and yeah fernando's certainly going to push them on and i hope he shows some patience to them yeah for sure over the last couple of years they've brought in some key staff from competitors high up the field um like dan dan fellows for example from red bull and they, I think their staff has increased potentially twofold almost. Um, so they've gone from being a very small operation to one that should, in theory, be able to compete with the big boys at the top and also their new factory. So you're seeing the right things, you're hearing the right things as well. So I think there's always a lag time between that happening and then actual results on track. So I think we're probably in that transitional stage now for them. But talking of having patience, uh, it it sounds like it's running out a little bit with Yuki Snowder at Alpha Tauri. Franz Tost at the launch said, This year, as I expect, we'll have a competitive car. Yuki must always aim to be in qualifying three and finish the races in the points. Now, obviously, he's going to be up against Nick De Vries. And what do you guys expect from Yuki? And do you think it's a bit of a make or break year for him? It's absolutely make or break. I think he needs to really perform well to be in with any chance of moving into the, the the senior team, as it were. I think if not, he might stagnate a little bit like Pierre did. Obviously, Pierre did get that opportunity. Pierre Gasly, of course, uh, did get that opportunity. And then once that didn't work out, you very much got the impression from Red Bull that they had no intention of ever trying that again with him. So 
I think realistically, though, there's so much talent coming through that Red Bull dri- Young Driver program that they're not going to keep someone around. They're going to move on. So if Nick DeVries outperforms him hugely, he'll be gone. I think if Nick DeVries also outperforms the car, he could be looking at Sergio Perez's seat down the line. This is, you know, some of the options. But you've got you've got Liam Lawson, you've got Emu Uwasa, you've got now Enzo Fittipaldi, Zay Maloney, to name a few of those guys in, in, in F2. And I haven't even mentioned Dennis Halger, who you know, won, won F3, had a difficult season yes, last year in F2, but you know, really could have a title charge this year in what was Felipe Drogovic's seat at MP. There's a lot of talent there waiting in the wings. There's no reason for a famously impatient team to be patient with Yuki. I was just going to say, Sam, depending on how the Red Bull Juniors perform this season compared to Yuki, he will either be keeping that seat for a while or he will be out. There is so much talent and he needs to perform because I think Nick DeVries kind of surprised everybody in that Williams last year and everyone latched onto him and the talent that he does have. And now if he does outperform Yuki, that isn't looking good for Sonoda because it's his third season in the team and he has changed a lot. He's been working with Daniel Ricciardo's performance coach. He said he's definitely more in control, more involved with the team, but he does need to get those results. I mean, last year he got into Q3 five times out of all the races and he does need to improve on that in 2023 to be able to prove to Red Bull, I am worth this seat. So the next piece of news is all about Stefano Domenicali, who sat down with Martin Brundle over the weekend in an exclusive interview, revealing lots on new teams joining the grid, including Andretti, and also on the friction between F1 and the FIA, mainly surrounding Mohamed Ben Salem, as we all know he's been in the news as of late, and it hasn't been very positive. On Ben Salem, Domenicali said there is a manifesto that the president of the FIA has to respect. And whilst there is the need and the time to adjust to make sure that the FIA has the right team and make sure they know what their role is within Formula One, it's no secret that everyone has their job and they have to do it correctly in order to get success. Because any personalism, any kind of thing like that, it isn't helpful. And he said, we have to do a better job as a commercial shareholder. The team and the driver has to do their own jobs to make that in the right way and the same for the FIA. So Domenicali has spoken out against Ben Salem and it isn't all in support, but he knows that there are difficulties for the president. He did speak to him after Ben Salem announced he would be taking a step back and he still expects to be working with him with regards to strategic measures and that. But he is positive that there can be a way forward, but everybody has to do their own job. What do you guys think about the CEO of F1's comments on the whole friction between the FIA and F1? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's been clear to see uh, for quite a while now. I mean, probably over the course of the last year. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously that that news about um, Ben Salem broke during our show last week. So we didn't really get a chance to, to properly talk about it. He has obviously gone on record since and made the point of saying that this was always planned. Uh, which it is, you can see quotes from him beforehand that, you know, he, he wanted to get his ship in order and then step back effectively. So I guess, yeah, do you, I mean, Sam, what do you think? Do you think it, this was planned or do you think it was reactionary to the, you know, negative headlines that he's been a large part of recently? 
Well, ultimately, you never know. But even if I think if it was planned, this has certainly accelerated that process. And the timing doesn't look great on Ben Salim. It looks a little bit like he's jumped before he, he was pushed. And yeah, it's kind of a little bit like, you know, he's, you know, you know, when someone gets stumped and they're, oh, I was going to break up with them anyway. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Fine. No way of proving it otherwise, but I think it is the right decision. He was starting to cause uh, unnecessary conflicts uh, between F1 and the FIA. And yeah, I mean, Stefano Domenicali, his primary duty is to F1 and also has, through Liberty Media, a fiduciary duty to shareholders, which he's obviously highlighted in these comments. And it was becoming evident that Ben Saliem didn't really care about that. Nor should he necessarily, it's not within his remit as as president of the FIA, but when you're coming out and saying there's no way that's worth what what they're saying it is you know don't don't be silly that's not going to do any any favors over f1 is it no it certainly won't and dominicali also spoke about andretti as we know andretti have been very vocal about their desire to join f1 as an extra team but dominicali said that the way that they were going about it being this vocal wasn't very smart because it shows that they're greedy but Günther Steiner also believes that there shouldn't be any extra teams in F1. He thinks that there's 10 at the moment. We're all comfortable. We all work well together. So if you add more, then you're going to put a dip in the economy or something and people may struggle to survive, which comes as Planet F1 have reported that Panthera Racing is working on a bid to enter F1 as well. So we have two potential new teams, potentially more that haven't vocally announced their desire to enter the sport. But we have a CEO who is questioning the process of expressing that desire and a team principal who is against extra teams entering F1. Do you think that extra teams should enter F1? Yeah, I mean, we've we've covered this before and I think most F1 fans want more teams. It's And that's the fact. We know that all the team principals, pretty much all of them, are against it. Uh, yeah, Gunter Stein said, there's no upside at the moment for an 11th team. There's just risk, no benefit. Um, I mean, that's, that's speaking from his own viewpoint. For us as fans, there's not too much risk. There's probably more benefit. I think that's what I find really frustrating about this whole scenario is that you've got so many different voices and different opinions in this space. But let's it shouldn't be lost on anyone that everyone's just trying to forward, forward their own agenda. And in doing so, the fan's voice and their their you know kind of feelings on this is is getting lost in the process. And what is a sport without its fan base? So that's what I think is 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 really frustrating. It feels like there's no one really there to bat for for the people who are ultimately making F one as viable commercially as it is. Without the fans, there's no way that F one you know yields those huge prices that you you see. Uh, to buy tickets, if if the sport was to be sold, uh, you know some of those bullfight figures that we see, fly, you know, flying around. So that I find a little bit frustrating. But yeah, it's it's so obvious that everyone's just kind of pushing a, a view that would best suit them. 
Exactly. And one thing on the fan base is the team principal of Panthera Racing has said that Formula One are constantly looking west and not east. I mean, we've now got three races in America and he is right. F1 do seem to be growing on the west side of the world. So he feels that if Panthera Racing was to enter F1, it would hugely, it would impact hugely the audience in the west because it would bring in more audiences from Asia as well, which is a positive. I agree, but we will have to focus on the West, more specifically France, uh, just for a minute. Uh, Very local time for me. Now I'm back in Paris, but the Alpine Academy uh, has been announced. A a new pretty impressive lineup. Is that right, Sam? It is. I was going to say, you focus so heavily on France, you move there. But uh, on actual uh, Alpine Academy news, uh, yeah, they've announced their their roster for the year. So there are a couple of changes. Namely, Kyle Collette is no longer affiliated with the Academy uh, in its formal sense, although he still will be kind of in their larger pool. Uh, but they'll be headlined by Jack Doohan and Victor Martins, uh, much as they were last year um, in F2 and F3. Victor obviously moving up to F2. You've also got Nicola Soloff, uh, who will be racing for ART this season in F3. And also Gabrielle Mini. Uh, who will be a high-tech in F3. Uh, you've got a few other names as well in the junior formulae, lower than F3. But one notable driver who is staying in the academy and will be part of the F1 Academy next year is Abby Pulling. Yes, she certainly will. And she'll be racing in the F1 Academy as part of Rodin Carlin alongside Jessica Edgar, who It's quite a young driver. She's in the early stages of her career, but she said that she was so excited to be part of this historic championship that supports women with F1 backing. But there have also been two other F1 Academy announcements, including Nerea Marti, who did race in W Series. She will be driving for Campus Racing in the Academy, as well as Carrie Schreiner, who will be racing for ART Grand Prix. So that is six F1 Academy drivers, named so far which is exciting because i feel like this academy is getting underway very quickly which is good news all around yeah completely uh, i f- feel like we don't yet know what's happening in w series it's looking uh, less and less likely that that's going to be happening this season but the f1 academy is there and it's stepping into that into that void and providing really good opportunities for a lot of those drivers and new drivers as well uh, to to show their their worth and their their talent and yeah I think a lot of them particularly Abby Pulling um, Alice Powell mentioned is using this year in the F1 Academy is hopefully a springboard to F3 uh, for 2024 so hopefully we'll see a more diverse lineup uh, in that category of course we have Sophia Flush who will be racing for PHM Racing by Sharoos in F3 returning to that series after a few years racing elsewhere so yeah, some some positive steps in the uh, in the equality um, side of things for for racing in the F one feeder series. Yeah, it, it looks really promising. There's a lot of great stuff there. Um, it's a shame about the W series. Uh, I mean, we'll see whether it does survive in in one way or another. But um, you'll enjoy this one, Sam, from the W series to a TV series. 
Drive to Survive is returning on the 24th of February uh, and it will have Max Verstappen in it uh, after a, a few series now where he was absent, notably, uh, after he didn't enjoy the way he was portrayed in the early series and his uh, and his relationship with Daniel Ricciardo at that time. So he's hopeful that he will be portrayed in a way that he enjoys this time around. Uh, do you think Netflix will succeed? I think they're going to be really, really gentle with how they portray him and what they use. I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's been some level of, of sign-off from Verstappen's camp on the scenes that he is in. Uh, obviously, we've seen in the past Red Bull be handled with a little bit of care, generally, uh, from you know the Sky incident last year, for example. So, yeah, I wouldn't expect many fireworks from Verstappen. But then again, 2022 was, let's face it, a pretty smooth sailing season for him. So there shouldn't be too much controversy surrounding him. Yeah, I think um, Netflix know how important it is to F1 to have this series and for themselves as well. So I think they will try and portray Verstappen in a way that he is happy with. You say, Sam, there wasn't much controversy. There definitely wasn't compared to 2021. I think one thing that will come up, which may alter the perspective of Verstappen, is the team orders um, issue with Perez in Brazil, I want to say it was, and the whole incident with them and whether they actually get an answer from Verstappen as to why he refused to let Perez past. But I am interested in to see how he is portrayed and what he says. So it will be one to watch, I think. Yeah, well, I'm certainly more likely to watch it this year. I, I had a year off. I felt like I needed a year off last year. Uh, aside from uh, the drama in the actual sport it was going to be dealing with, just I'd been growing tired of the way that the Drive Survive was yeah, falsifying drama as we knew about, as we well know. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it another shot this year. I think they will have taken on board a lot of the criticism they faced because it basically became a meme that they were making something out of nothing a lot of the time. So I'm hoping for more genuine stories this time. And yeah, it will be interesting to see how much they delve into that Verstappen-Perez disagreement towards the end of the year. But I think we're about out of time for this show. Thanks for joining us as ever. Thank you for listening. Be sure to head over to FormulaNerds.com and all the Formula Nerds socials to find out the latest on these and any other stories. We'll be back this weekend with the Cut to the Race podcast. It'll be nice to be back after a bit of a break. But uh, now for the outro, it's been a long time that we've been waiting for Mr. Samuel Coop. <laughs> yes, Ready to drop yes. the mic, yeah? I can't drop the mic, it's attached to the desk. But um, I haven't actually said this out loud for a good week or so. Uh, it was ready for last week, but I was ill. Uh, so you'll have to bear with me. I'm sorry if it's a little bit disjointed. But here goes. The time has come to end the new show. Please just know we're sad to go. Any feedback like... <laughs> <laughs> any feedback you'd like to bestow rest assured we'd love to know we hope you've enjoyed all that you've heard follow us on socials to read our written word to all who listen past this mark of two thirds see you next week from the formula nerds <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that's longer than i was oh, expecting i was expecting yeah. like a couple of lines and you gave us a poem that's yeah, it, I mean, two it, paragraphs <laughs> we, we got sick of the always a pleasure never a short never a chore like that's three lines. Yeah, I'm not reading now every week. 
We've only got 25 minutes. You gave me I a appreciate the effort and uh, you know, well you done. rose to it. You definitely rose to it. Uh, and I particularly enjoyed cramming in the word thirds to rhyme with nerds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that was a particularly difficult one. Uh, also, I'm quite proud of bestow rhyming with no. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, if you do have any feedback on that, please do 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 let me know. Uh, well, I, I, I look know. forward to the emails flooding in between now and then. Uh, well, I don't know if I can follow that with uh, my regular sign offline. But I guess I'll have to. Um, uh, yeah, Sam, Abby, thank you for joining me. And Sam, particularly, thank you for, for that. That's, that's okay. I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite pleased with it. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad that you know, a few people might get to hear my, uh, my poetry. I haven't written poetry since GCSE English. So uh, that was fun. <laughs> thank you for having us, James. And well done, Sam. Good effort. Thank you very yeah. much. So... For now, I guess it is still lights out, mics off, and away we go, because Sam is a poet and he does know it. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Sports Social Podcast Network.